G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A sneak peek in some sense today behind the scenes and into some of the things, uh, the thoughts, uh, the the concerns that your pastor or church leader might have uh, that you don't often get to hear about. Well, some of the things we'll talk about over this next hour, things that your pastor perhaps even wishes that many more people in their local church knew and understood and took very seriously. What makes your local church grow? And how do you stop the decline of your church if you're feeling as though things are going backwards? Why is it that some visitors to your local church don't return for a second visit? How do you turn things around with a plan that will actually work, that will see your local church in your local community grow? John Finn Keldy and his wife Diane pastored the C3 Church in Hepburn Heights in Perth for 30 years. They built a multi-generational church planting church and with all of that accumulated wisdom and an eye to the next generation, they founded a ministry called Grow a Healthy Church. And they've been doing that for the past five years. These days, they spend time drawing alongside churches, coaching pastors and their spouses. And John Finkeldy is our guest through this coming hour. John, a special welcome along to 2020. Hey, uh, Neil. Great to be um, with you this morning. John, this is something I imagine that doesn't go into the thought processes of lots of people who are members of churches. When I say members, people who attend a local church, perhaps it's going on in the minds of those who are leaders or elders or those people who might be on a a leadership board for a local church. But ordinary people, what are your perceptions about what they think about whether they're concerned about what makes the church grow? Yeah, I I think um, I think your average church member is is interested in the growth of their church. And I guess when we say growing church, we're not just talking about personal growth, but the actual growth numerically of a church or the spiritual growth of, of the church as a, as a collective, as a group. I think your average church member thinks about these things. They especially notice it if the church does have a significant boost in attendance over a year or two, or the reverse, and the non-preferred option, a, a decline in attendance. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think church members think... Uh, Fair degree about these things, and it's something that I've given myself a lot of study into: what makes churches grow, and what kind of how can we stop churches declining? Because we want churches to be healthy um, around Australia, and we want them to be growing as well. Well, uh, healthy versus unhealthy. 
I imagine that there are some things that we could identify uh, that might say this is a healthy trajectory that a church is on, uh, this is an unhealthy one. Is there any sort of simple way that you can make that sort of assessment, you know, like a self-assessment, uh, you know, for listeners who are tuned in and, and look, there's a, such a variety of context, uh, but uh, yeah. this idea of, you know, people who are in country towns, outback communities, and in the yeah. big cities all around Australia, they're in different contexts, but uh, are there some things we can zero in on that say, well, this is going to be a pretty healthy trajectory for a church? Yeah, I think when I face that question, and people ask me that question fairly regularly, how can I tell if my church is healthy or or not? I have a few basic tenets, if you like, a few basic principles around church growth and church health. And uh, my first one is one that I made up out of the blue somewhere, a little bit of inspiration. It's churches are like T-shirts. We need all sizes. Um, I think the the thing with church growth is we don't want every church to become a large church. That that won't happen anyway. Hasn't happened historically. Doesn't happen today. Will not happen into the future. We will always have like t-shirts: small, medium, large, XL, triple XL, and so on. Um, and I think we need all sizes because different sizes suit different people. So I, I don't think it's a cookie cutter approach to church growth where you say, oh. Your church is 100 people, that's not good enough, needs to be 200, 300, and so on. I don't agree with that in any way, shape, or form. And and I think related to the kind of, especially to regional churches, is that I have this phrase that uh, healthy churches grow to their optimum size. I think the phrase healthy churches grow is a half-truth, because I think in reality unhealthy things grow as well. Uh, down in my garden, weeds come up. They're not particularly welcome, but they'll grow. Um, cancer grows, but no one would ever say cancer is a healthy thing. And I've actually seen uh, unhealthy churches grow. Um, so I think growth in itself, it doesn't indicate health. So I like to think of healthy churches grow to their optimum size, and an optimum size can be determined a lot by their context. If they're in a regional town, you know, a wheat belt small town here in Western Australia, whether in a large city. It can also be determined by their capacity in terms of their facility, capacity of their leaders, um, their history and where they're at and what season they're in. Um, there's a whole range of very various things. I think there's a, a, Neil, a real sovereignty in size as well that we have to make allowance for. But there's an X factor in growth that no one can quite figure out why this church uh, down the road is 500 people, and, and this church here is 75. Um, I think it takes a little bit of a, you know, bit of a nuanced approach to it. Uh, one of the things I do say, if um, if a pastor asks me, well, you know, how do I know if my church is healthy? And I've got a three-minute conversation. <clears throat> the thing I, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the thing I say to them is, tell me what your Sunday morning attendance is, and tell me how many people were baptised in your church in the last 12 months, or if baptism is not a part of your church life, how many people made a a significant, solid commitment to follow Jesus? And when I get those sort of metrics, I can kind of have a bit of a shoot-from-the-hip shot at whether there is evangelism going on and whether discipleship is going on. So um, this, this is... Working out whether the church is healthy is a bit more complex than just kind of going, yeah, let's take your temperature. No, you're healthy. You're not healthy. 
Uh, it's quite uh, gets a bit compli- complicated, Neil, which it probably doesn't help church members try to figure out how do we help, what what can I do Well, I think uh, including listeners in our conversation today and we say about church members, what should they know? I imagine Mm. they should know that a lot of what happens with a healthy church does, in fact, depend on the leadership of the church. And this is where I guess you're working is with leaders because not every leader hits the ground running and they're already an expert church leader. This is a growing process that takes decades. Uh, Give us some insights here as to, because oftentimes people will be critical of their pastor, but they might not have given their pastor time to grow into the role. What are are your thoughts for members here and the attitude they might have towards their leadership? Yeah, look, I I think church members um, really can determine as much as the leadership um, whether a church is healthy or whether a church is growing or not growing. Um, So I I think there's a bundle of things that church members can do to actually get on side with where the leadership wants to go. Or even if your leadership is a little bit um, stale, can I say, a bit stagnant, a bit kind of stuck, I think actually church members... um, wield immense power, and I I use that word in in the best possible sense. I'm not talking about power brokers, but I think church members have a lot of things they can do to actually get a church moving towards health um, and towards growth as as well, Neil. So I I think rather than church members saying, oh, it's my pastor's fault or my leader's fault or why doesn't our church do this, I think there's a whole range of things that a church member listening today could actually... There's a bundle of levers you can pull today uh, to move your church towards growth, and I can unpack some of those for you if you like, if that would be helpful. Uh, Well, let's move towards that. But as we're laying a foundation for a conversation here that listeners undoubtedly will want to contribute to... Let's talk about the attitude of church members for a moment to what they think the pastor is supposed to be doing because I suspect uh, there's a difference. The pastor has an idea of what he's supposed to be doing or she is supposed to be doing, uh, but then church members might have a completely different idea. Uh, what are your thoughts yeah. for this disconnect between uh, you know the purpose that each one might see? Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I definitely think we are we are in a... In a day where pastoring is complicated, pastoring is complex. I heard the last part of your conversation with your last guest, whose uh, name I don't remember, but was just talking about some of the issues, political issues that are firing around our nation, and some of the some of the issues that are quite complicated facing our nation. I think pastoring today is is quite complex, and I think it's important for pastors and church leaders to actually regularly visit and revisit and redefine to their local church. Um, This is how we see our role in a pastoral role, in a shepherding role, in a leadership role in the church. And this is what we see should be our primary focus. And then I think continue to convince the church members, hey, look, pastors and church leaders are there not to do everything, but they're actually there to disciple and to mobilize people into the fullness of all that they have within them, all that Christ has put in each member of the body. And I, I think the, the the feeling that, you know, the pastors and the key church leaders are like the, the football team on the field running around desperate for a break while everyone sitting in the stand is just 
eating and drinking and <laughs> probably desperately in need of some exercise actually out of the stand. So I think we definitely have to get away from that. Hey, I come to church so people can kind of contribute to me and help me and then I go home again. I think members need to grasp and really kind of connect with the fact that, hey, the reason you go to church is so you can be involved as a member of that body and a significant and important and valuable member of that body, serving with the gifts and the capacity and the strength that you have. And I think church leaders and pastors need to remind their members of that. But I think members of a church also need to kind of remind themselves, hey, this is not a football game I'm turning up to. For our spectate, watch, pay my money, go home. Um, I'm actually part of a body. I have a role to play. I have a place here. And I think that ability to kind of move more into that, I think is vital in the life of the church and vital uh, for church members to go, hey, I've got, I've got a role to play here. I've got a significant role to help my church be healthy and to help my church grow as well. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. A conversation today about growing a healthy church, 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. John Finkeldy is our guest. He and his wife Diane pastored the C3 Church at Hepburn Heights in Perth for 30 years. And for the last five years, they've founded a ministry called Grow a Healthy Church, drawing alongside and pastor uh, coaching pastors and their spouses. John's our guest this hour, and we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Uh, John, why don't we take a call uh, before we, uh, we move on? There's uh, some calls coming through. Let's uh, let's see if we can take as many calls this hour as we can. That might help direct where our conversation goes as we talk about a healthy church. Uh, let's hear, first of all, from Pino in Brisbane. Hello, Pino. Welcome. Hello. How are you, gentlemen? Good. Welcome along. Good. What are your thoughts for our conversation? Well, it's a very um, timely conversation. Uh, our church, where our pastors are leaving all the time, and it's to the point where our uh, elders and the leaders of our church are getting an outside consultant to find out why. And two questions. Have you heard, is this common? And also, as a member of the church, what's, how can we best benefit from that consultant and working with the elders and praying to Jesus, etc. Just uh, clarify here, Pino, uh, did you say your pastor's leaving? Is that what the word you used there? We're having a lot of our pastors aren't lasting long in our our church. They're leaving for many reasons. Okay, so there's a high turnover of pastors in your church and then you've got a consultant saying, hey, uh, how do we deal with this? Uh, John, what are your thoughts for Pino? They know um, how long are the pastors lasting in the church before they leave? Is it one year, two year, three years? Uh, it varies. Sometimes three months, a year. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, the, the last, the last pastor we had lasted two and a half years, and that's probably wow. the longest. Okay. Yep. Look, I, I think the consultant would need to burrow down into what is the reasons, because that level of turnover um, will definitely stunt any opportunity for the church to grow. Um, pastors who are long-term in churches tend to you know, do better in terms of growth and certainly in terms of health because shifting leadership like that is not going to have a great effect. Um, I would, I would be, if I was consulting in there, I'd be wanting to talk right down into the grassroots of the church as well as in the leadership. 
I'd be looking at various things related to the numerics and metrics of a church, but having a lot of conversations um, with people, both both in small groups, but also one-on-ones to find out what is the reason for the turnover, assess whether there's also some very basic things uh, related to finance or facilities that are part of that, or the lifestyle or the expectations of the congregation has on the pastor in terms of his lifestyle and busyness and all that sort of thing. The primary thing I think you could do as a church member in in that church is definitely when your next pastor comes, um, I would go to your, to your next pastor when he turns up. I'd go to him every month and ask him for a particular thing about him and his family and his ministry that you can be praying for. Uh, in other words, become a become a significant connected prayer support for your pastor on a regular basis and pastors don't get enough prayer from their congregation enough specific intentional prayer i should say um so pino i'd take that on take that on being that prayer support for your new pastor when he comes and every month go and ask him and then give him some feedback on just i've been praying for you um doesn't have to be directional but just some feedback and let them know you're praying for them Pino in Brisbane, thank you so much for your contribution today and our talkback line is open. You might like to uh, access some great wisdom about growing a healthy church today. John Finkeldy is our guest, 1-800-316-316. Before we take another call, John, uh, oftentimes I imagine that some of the crisis points that happen in church and uh, even causing decline or causing things to be uh, in some ways stagnating is this time when there is a transition of leaders and you've got people who are perhaps you know holding things together in a pastoral oversight sense maybe it's the leaders uh, who are in eldership and uh, they've got their idea of how things done and then the new guy comes in and uh, he's bringing his ideas and you've got a a, you've got a clash you've got conflict Uh, what are your thoughts for uh, for you know just managing those issues in transition Sorry, Neil, I just got cut off there for, for a minute. Okay. Um, so you're talking about transition and the challenge? Yes, I was just, a, just, just saying that uh, when there is a crisis sometimes and uh, mm. reflecting on what Pino was sharing, uh, this yeah. idea that uh, a pastor comes in and uh, he's got all sorts of great ideas and uh, enthusiastic yeah. to move yeah. forward, and there are those who might be holding some reins of leadership, say, in an eldership sense, and they say, yeah. we've always done it yeah. like this, and you're coming to telling us uh, we've got to change. Uh, and sometimes you've got conflict that results. Yeah. yeah, look, I think it depends on where the church is at and where the elders are at. Um, we're talking to a pastor just recently, just this week actually, who went into a church that the previous pastor had stepped out of over a year ago, and people were kind of holding the fort. They had a few guest speakers and so on for about a year. When when the new pastors turned up 11 weeks ago, so less than, less than 100 days, people were saying, please, just take us somewhere. So if a church is treading water and ready for something new, then I would suggest the new pastor lead with that intentionality, get some freshness going, get some relational connections going, of course, but get some freshness and direction and go, go for it. If you go into a church that's, yeah, we're okay, we've been doing steady, we've been going nicely, don't need to change much, then spend the year building the relational base. Build with your elders. Find out who are the stakeholders, who are the power brokers. Build the relational base first and then bring change. If you try and bring change into a church that's quite comfortable and settled and we like the way we are too quickly, 
um, they might move you out the door quickly rather than change things themselves. Well, if, if, they're in, if people are in pain, they generally do embrace change quicker. Well, that's a significant insight because somehow or other, I imagine that when one pastor moves on, uh, the idea that there's a need to quickly fill that space uh, may actually be not so good and not so healthy for the future. And as you say, as you are able to uh, manage things in church life uh, with your leadership, your eldership, as they've been functioning and doing a great job undoubtedly, uh, then they ought not to rush, but prayerfully and make sure that the, that they've got the right pastor to move into the next role uh, who everybody trusts to take them on those next steps forward. We're taking calls, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Ian in Western Australia. Hello, Ian. Welcome along. Hello. Yeah. Ian, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm just wondering how much the uh, people in our churches realise that the Bible prophecies are for now and that we are in the end times and that it's all been prophesied that this would happen with our political system and people turning against God. Ian, good thoughts there, and uh, when we talk Bible prophecy, sometimes uh, we're opening up to controversy because people have different interpretations. Let's get an insight here from John uh, on uh, what Ian's sharing. Yeah, Bible prophecy is, is not my area of expertise, to be honest, Neil and Ian. Um, and, I, and I find whatever, whatever a church is moving in in terms of doctrine or truth or how they interpret I, I work in about 10 different denominations and movements um, I find that whether a church has a major focus on Bible prophecy or they have a major focus on their community needs or a major focus on say small groups I find that churches at their grassroots level are very similar in their need of wanting to come together love Jesus, walk with Jesus and walk with each other in a way that reflects Christ into their community. Um, so some churches have a real emphasis on Bible prophecy, um, but I think it, underneath that there's this hunger to, to know the Lord, walk with Him, bless and love one another, and then also help their community, wherever their community is at. Ian from WA, thank you for your call. What I can hear you say here, John, is that there are priorities in church life and uh, priorities that the members have. And sometimes if we're red hot on one particular issue, and it might be Bible prophecy, it could be all sorts of other things, could be deliverance or anything like that. But as soon as we start to assert our priority above where the pastor or the leadership priorities might be, we're treading on ground that actually creates conflict and probably ought to avoid that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think I think definitely, you know, leadership sets the tone within a church. And, and I, this is the beauty of churches are like T-shirts. We need all sizes. We need all styles of churches because I, I think people need to go to a church where they say, I like the tone of this church. I like the style of this church. I, it resonates with me. I like the ethnic mix of this church. I like its direction. I like how it works with the community. All the different elements that make up so many different churches. And because I get to visit so many different churches, I can tell you it's diverse out there. It's varied. And I, and I think if you're in a church where you think, I don't agree with anything our leadership is doing, I'd say, you know what, maybe go find a church kind of where the leadership is doing stuff where you resonate with that church and there's look there's 
thousands of churches in Australia, hundreds of churches in your local community. Maybe if you're not in a small town, not true. Um, but to find a church that you kind of resonate with. And if you're in a smaller town, there's not much choice. Find the church that is closest to where you're at in your walk with Christ. And maybe some things that you really cherish that you want your church to do, they won't do. Well, maybe you just have to lay them down and find that place maybe through the net to connect with people who have that same passion that you have about an area. So an issue of humility in all of that. Uh, mm. If everything doesn't suit you and you don't have too many choices, uh, humble yourself a little and uh, and find yep. out what uh, the priorities might be from the leader. Uh, let's take another call. Let's hear from Robin in Mount Morgan. Hello, Robin. Welcome along. Yes, hi. Um, you know, I think that we very often lose the um, the sight that it's God that builds the church. And um, I'm drawing from Ephesians 4, um, 11 to 13, where, and he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build mm. up the body of Christ until we reach unity and the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a, with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Now, the thing is, you know, God made, made each one of us individuals. We all have different personalities. And I believe that when God creates a church, I mean, a body of people, and he brings them together, each church should have their own personality. And I believe that um, we, we need to be called to the position of any ministry. It's not us doing the ministry. It's God through us if we are called to that position. And, and as he's doing it, he draws just the right people. And, and the other thing is, what in my heart is really for those people that are so mixed up, like homosexuals, um, people like that, that have real personality issues. When they come to a church, they're looking for God, and very often they're rejected. And I, I think that if God... Good thoughts in all of that, Robin. And, uh, you know, there are lots of people in church life who are mixed up. And uh, if we don't have it all together in some ways, knowing what are the priorities, then they're the ones who get left behind. Uh, your thoughts for Robin, John? Um, yeah, look, Robin's got some great thoughts there, and I totally agree with her that, that Ephesians for the tenor of that is that leaders are meant to be mobilizing the body, the 1 Corinthians 12. We've all got something to offer, a gift, a capacity to offer. And I think if we can keep on that sense of, hey, leaders are here to train, to equip, to help, to support, to shepherd, to mobilize, to provoke at times, to exhort, to kind of direct people and kind of, hey, give them a little bit of a hurry up occasionally and also comfort when they need it so that the body works, so that the body comes together and operates in the way that it should. I think Robin's uh, attention to that passage in Ephesians is really helpful when you consider church leadership and church life. And mobilizing members, I think, is one of the great challenges of church leadership that we need to remind ourselves to keep doing. And, Neil, I, I could probably say that in the... John, we might have to save the thought because sure. we're about to go to news and oh, uh, we'll no continue problem. our conversation after news. John Finkeldy is our guest. John, let's talk about what you do as a member in a local church if you recognise that your church is not one of those flourishing, vibrant communities, but yours is suffering a little bit of decline. Uh, what sort of action do you think people ought to take? 
Yeah, I think church members can do a huge range of things, Neil, if their church is declining. One of the things that we mentioned before the news with Pino was that um, go to your pastor every two, three, four weeks and ask them for one thing specifically that you can pray for them. Now, you're not praying for them so you can give them direction. Don't do that with your pastor. That's just plain annoying, to be honest. Um, but just go and ask, um, what's one thing I can be praying for you, the leadership, the church, your family? And then go away and give yourself prayerfully to that. Then two or three weeks later, do the same thing. Do that as part of your lifestyle as a church member because your pastor and the leadership of your church, I can tell you, they don't get enough intentional specific prayer. So do that. Um, this Sunday, in fact, this month, the month of May, as a church member, go to church with the intention of connecting with anyone who's visiting. Uh, don't go to church just to see your friends. Don't go to church just to worship and hear the Word of God preach. You, that's all going to happen anyway. Uh, but go to church this month. As you go to church, pray and say, Lord, let me connect with a visitor to our church this morning. Be hospitable, be friendly, talk with them, chat with them. And if the conversation goes really well, maybe exchange phone numbers with them and follow them up and have a coffee with them. and Say, oh man, I, I couldn't do that. Well, maybe time to take a step of faith, take a bit of a risk and step out there. Third thing I think church members can do is when your church is declining, is you as a church member, don't, don't just wait for your pastor and leaders to do this. Go and check out your children's ministry area and think about what you can do as a church member to help it look way better than what it is. Now, it may look fantastic already. I don't know. It may look tired. It may look old. It may look a bit broken. Wherever it's at, think about what you can do. And I don't mean bringing something that you're chucking out from home to the church. It may be that you get together with a few friends and say, hey, why don't we raise $1,000 to, to get the kids' rooms painted afresh or recarpeted or something like that? Now, you're going to have to work with the leadership of the church to get that done. But declining churches, one of the things, Neil, I see in declining churches is the lack of children. Young families are not turning up. And one of the signs a church is declining is when it ages and gets older than its community. One of the ways to turn that around is have a real focus on children's ministry and make that the most sparkling best part um, of your facility. Now, I, I could go on and on about what church members could do, but there's a, a few ideas to kind of get people uh, rolling along. Really powerful insights because if you're talking about multi generational uh, or mm. looking with an eye to the next generation, sometimes I imagine you've got to humble yourself and do those things that actually cater for the kids. And that yep. means, yep. I imagine, that the next step on, catering for the teenagers, uh, catering, yep. catering for young people, and, and sometimes we want to hold on to the music styles and the looks and those sorts of things, mm. whereas if we are genuinely interested in the next generation, it's not all about us, uh, sometimes mm. we've got to humble ourselves a little and uh, and make way for some change and some some uh, the, the, the look and the image of the church might have to change. Totally, and I, and I think you want the noise and the mess that children bring. You know, children are not children. Don't walk around the foyer politely and courteously after church. They run, they yell, they scream. You want that mess and noise. If you don't have that mess and noise, you really are, I think, um, ten to fifteen years away from a death spiral as a church. I think every church, Neil, is about five years away from decline, and you have to keep thinking: How do we get children? 
to our church because children grow up, they become teenagers, you're exactly right, they become the youth group and suddenly they're the young marriage. It doesn't take long. I know this as I get older, it doesn't take that long for either health and growth to happen or decline and that death spiral start to happen. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. You might like to join in our conversation. Let's take a call. Benita has been waiting very patiently. Hello, Benita. Welcome along. Benita, are you with us? Benita, uh, might have left you too long waiting there, but uh, you might like to call back 1-800-316-316. John, how important is it that you get things right in the church service itself? I mean, sometimes we think that, uh, you know, we've been talking about, you know, relating to people, uh, uh, you know, embracing those visitors, uh, looking after the kids. What about the actual church service? Can it be a turnoff for some people? I, I think church services, Sunday, your Sunday morning service is your primary. Once people are past the digital front door, the website, social media, this is your front, your front door. People come into the service and I think definitely auditing, if you like, analyzing, looking afresh at your church service. And this is where getting a, a friend in, a pastor friend just to come and visit out of the blue or a consultant or whatever. It doesn't have to be a consultant, but getting someone in and give you some fresh eyes on a Sunday service. So one of the things, there's a number of things I say to pastors when they're looking at their Sunday services. I tell them, you know what, you probably have too many announcements. Um, why don't you get rid of your announcements for a month and just see what difference it does make to your service? Because announcements can go on and on in churches. And I think, this is my personal opinion, Neil, but I think they're a bit like cinema ads. When you go to the movies, you watch a bundle of ads and then you watch a two-hour movie, and who can ever remember any ad that was before the movie? I don't. And I think church ads, church announcements are pretty similar. Find other ways to communicate. Anyway, have an experiment with that. Also, I think learning to transition between elements of the service as smoothly as possible. So there is a sense of flow from singing to offering to any special dedication of a child or special item into preaching into the final part of the service so there is a sense rather than a chunk here chunk there chunk there there's more a sense of a river uh, a flow the first musician in the bible jubel mentioned in genesis his name actually means stream the original hebrew word means flow and i i like to look at sunday as a as a river that flows for an hour hour and a half however long your service is and there's a sense of the, the segueing, the connecting between the elements has a sense of life and has a sense of, of movement with it that takes people on a journey over that hour. I think also, can I encourage pastors, any pastors who are listening, and uh, maybe church members can have a quiet word to their pastors. I'm probably dobbing, dropping pastors in it here, but yep. I think unless you're a really good preacher, maybe stick to 30 minutes max. That would be my advice to any preacher. Unless okay. you're as good as Steve Furtick, stay with 30 minutes. <laughs> We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Benita is back. Hello, Benita. Welcome along. Hello, Neil. Benita, what are your thoughts for our conversation? I'd like to talk about the pastors. I know it's, being a pastor is very hard. We expect a lot from the pastors, but we don't understand. He needs lots of prayers. Because pastors can sometimes he can 
when he does something to the young person, the elderly can can't expect they they they'll be unhappy if he takes some changes. So I think being a pastor is very hard, and he's a human being too. So he could make mistakes. That's a lot of things the congregation is not understanding. So so I think. The pastors need a lot of prayer, and we need to, with the pastor, we have to work together. Then only the church grows. Benita, you're raising a really important point here. Mm-hmm. While we think of the pastor as being the one who's raising up the congregation, there is a sense in which the congregation is raising up a pastor. Your thoughts mm-hmm. for Benita here, John? Yeah, totally excellent thoughts, Benita. And I agree with you, Neil, that congregations make pastors into the man or woman of God that uh, that they're called to be. And I, and I think I love the thought Benita's brought again of, of praying for your pastor, of supporting him, encouraging him, strengthening him. And, and Benita said a really interesting phrase that pastors are, are human, pastors are people. And I think sometimes people kind of, dehumanize their pastor in some ways and consider their pastor as, as a particular position or it's an office, if you like. And people can then feel they can say things or do things um, to their pastor because they dehumanize them. And I think it's important to remember that they're flesh and blood. They get filled with great joy at times. They get filled with disappointment. They go through their own health issues. They go through their own struggles. They go through their own highs um, as well, and I and I think remind yourself when you when you're in your brain in your mind you want to criticize your pastor for a decision. Just remind yourself they're flesh and blood; they're just like you. And maybe if you don't understand a decision your pastor and your leaders are making, maybe go and have a coffee and just ask questions. Don't don't make accusations. Don't don't jump to assumptions. But go, pastor. I'd like to understand why we're doing this what's the reason behind it and that'll help you then process and even if if after that conversation you think i still don't like that decision if if it's if it's moral and ethical and legal it's nothing dodgy about it um then go all right maybe i just need to follow my leaders and and act in that area of humility around that. But great thoughts, Benita. Thanks, Benita. 1-800-316-316 to join this conversation. Let's hear from Chris in South Australia. Hi, Chris. Welcome. Chris, are you with us? Chris, you might like to call us back. Let's hear from Shelby in Queensland. Hi, Shelby. Hello, uh, Neil and, um, and John. John, so many things that you are saying um, is working within our church. Um our pastor, and I'm going to come to one very important thing that you've been saying, um, but our pastor has a great support um, from the church and also from his family, his wife, let um, alone um, uh, his uh, um, daughter and daughter-in-law, son and son-in-law. Um, it's just tremendous to see how much they are involved uh, in supporting pastor. But the one thing that we have done is we brought our children to the altar in the church service. Now, they still have their Sunday school, but we involved them in 10, 15 minutes of um, um, part of the church and a little bit of a Sunday school lesson. And I've got to tell you, half the time, any number of old adults say to me, um, oh, I got more out of that probably than the kids. <laughs> Shelby, you're making a fabulous point here. Uh, Honouring the children in church. Uh, children are not just a distraction or a nuisance. Uh, this idea of honouring children in the main service is what uh, Shelby's getting at here, and uh, his church is doing that really well. 
Excellent, Shelby. I love it. Um, and this is what I love about churches. Churches can do creative things that really work well for them, regardless of whether they work for anyone else or not. It doesn't matter. Some churches would go, oh, my goodness, the children at the front of the church for 10, 15 minutes, what a nightmare. Shelby's church are doing it, loving it, enjoying it. People are actually connecting with it. So great. I love it. And uh, having children around on Sunday, the mess and the noise and the chaos, you can, you can tell something good's going in church when there's little kids running around screaming and yelling. I think it's a big part of church life. Thanks so much, Shelby. 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation. Let's hear from Trish in South Australia. Hello, Trish. Hello. Uh, I just want to ask, how does, uh, how does uh, the speaker feel about corporate prayer? We're having a real tussle to get people involved in praying for the church. <laughs> uh, Trish, your church is not alone here. Uh, this is an important element you're raising. Uh, John, your thoughts for Trish? Yeah, look, I, I think it is challenging. Get people to come out to another meeting, whether it be a prayer meeting or whatever meeting. Getting people out to have come to corporate prayer uh, is challenging. So I think what I advise churches to do is try a whole range of different things. So run a corporate prayer meeting for a season. Run it for four or five weeks. Um, short, sharp, get into it, and then get out of it. Also, incorporate more prayer into your Sunday service. So when people are actually there, and here's a thought, Neil, get rid of the announcements, spend the 10 minutes praying together. There's an idea. I think also I would get prayer happening in small groups where people are praying in their small group together so they're praying in relational sense and people can really i think pick up strong prayer and a strong burden for prayer praying with people they know well in a small group so i'd like the seasonal approach trish i do like that i like more prayer in a sunday morning service involving people in that prayer process and then pushing it down into small groups trying to get people to a weekly corporate prayer meeting I think people wear thin on that after a short time. Trish, thank you so much for your insight today. 1-800-316-316. There may still be time for a call or two. Just to mention a Facebook comment or two. Lorraine says, John, my experience with church is gossip and social grading. You don't fit in if you don't have money or property. I feel churches now are just social clubs where you just pay your dues. There's no longer family or charitable or welcoming. Now, that's a harsh criticism, but I know that mm. that'll resound with a lot of, a lot of people listening. Sometimes they can have that impression. What are your thoughts for Lorraine? I think for Lorraine, I would say, look, some churches you go into have a welcoming uh, accepting, really connecting family feel. Um, other churches don't. Other churches don't focus in on that area. They say they're friendly, but they're friendly to their friends, basically, rather than to people coming into that area. I think, Lorraine, if you're finding your church like that, it may be time to look at, I'm going to trouble with pastors here, but maybe time to look at another church and maybe a smaller family-oriented church, um, some churches, when they get to a medium and large size, they do they can be harder to get into. If you go to a church that's more around your 70 or 80 or 100 people, you find there's more a family vibe around there, which I'll tell you what, people love. Not everyone wants to be in a larger church. And larger churches, because of their size, do have to systemize and structure things more strongly. And that can feel a bit like a click 
um, maybe Lorraine, try a smaller church. Try a few smaller churches and see if you can find that family connection. I'll tell you what, it's there. I go into a lot of smaller churches, and the family connect feel in them is fantastic. Sometimes we feel like we're being more successful if we're in a bigger church, but as you're saying, yeah. that doesn't always yeah. meet your needs. A smaller church is no. sometimes uh, better than the bigger church. And But this is an yeah. important point, and a couple of times through the conversation, John, where we've sort of got to a point where saying, well, maybe that church is not for you, and uh, maybe mm. it is time to search for a new one. Let's talk about a little resilience here for a moment because I mm. suspect that for some members, ordinary people uh, in their local church, uh, sometimes it's too easy to say, oh, I've yep. had a little bit of a conflict or I don't agree with this or that or the other, therefore I'm going to uh, you know, up tent pegs and move. And sometimes I suspect resilience is necessary and, and not move this time because you've done that so many times mm. before. If we're talking about the growth of the church, somehow or other as the member of the church, we've got to get a little bit of a backbone about us, don't we? Yeah, I, I totally agree, Neil. And, and I would say to people joining our church when I was leading our church, I would pastor in our church, I would say, um, you're joining our church. I want you uh, to be here for a minimum of 10 years, unless you move interstate, unless you move to for work or family to another town in WA or to another state or overseas. I want you for 10 years because over 10 years, you're going to experience every season in the life of our church. You're going to experience growth seasons, decline seasons, plateau. You're going to experience your past has been woohoo. You're going to experience your past has been all no. And you have to go through all those seasons. Don't, don't stay here two years and move on. You're doing us and the whole body of Christ a disservice. So, yeah, when I'm saying to Lorraine, maybe check out another church. If Lorraine's only been there a couple of years, I'd say, hang tough. Move in a bit closer, build the relationships. But if it's been a 15, 20-year journey and you feel like, I need a new season, I, you know, in my church, always sad to see someone go, but if they were a 15, 20-year kind of member and they felt like, I need a fresh start somewhere, I'd say, look, we love you and we bless you as you go. We're not going to hold you back. Right. Well, we are. I'll have to put a, a line under any more calls because we're running short of time. Just a couple of minutes to talk about some of the things that you do with your ministry at this time, John. Grow mm. a healthy church. And, and for ordinary uh, pew sitters, uh, members, uh, people who attend a local church, this is not really the website for them, but uh, they may be able to pass on a link to their pastor mm. and say, hey, have you you considered some of these really great thoughts uh, that uh, we heard about on the radio today. When people go to growahealthychurch.com, what are they likely to see and who is it targeting? Because you're usually working with pastors. Mm. Yeah, they're going to find um, three main elements, uh, Neil. They're going to find my blog, which has a, I've been blogging for about 10 years, so a whole range of topics there that would be helpful for church leaders, but also for church members. It gives them an insight into how church leaders think, and also maybe just shifts them in some, some of their framework of thinking about church life. So they'll find the blog, which is all free. Um, they'll also find all the details about the consulting work that we do. And I've done 115 of these consults, four-day consults with churches in the last, uh, up to about seven years now, um, in all different nations, different nations around the world. Um, there's all the details of the benefits of that consulting. And also we have a resource hub that's there that people can jump into and 
dive into and um, that's a membership hub. They can dive in there and check out all the resources. But in the blog, they'll find free resources. There's little things they can download, things they can check out as well in the blog post. So, yeah, cruise through and uh, check us out. And there's a contact uh, page there as well if anyone wants to reach me through growhealthychurch.com. But I'm more than happy to have a chat about uh, church leadership and church life. Definitely, I love the church, Neil. The church is definitely uh, rising in Australia. I feel very hope-filled about where the church is going in our nation. Yes, and uh, not a time to be fearful because some of the things that even we talk about on this program, I must say, uh, I do get concerned that perhaps there'll be some who actually are fearful, but uh, we are a hope-filled people and we adapt into the circumstances and it, as we would say earlier on, Jesus said, I'm building my church, so we've got to do our part, and he does his part. But growahealthychurch.com is John's website, and as he said, you can even make a connection with him through growahealthychurch.com. John Finkeldy, great to get your insights once again. Thank you so much for taking some time to share those with listeners today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. been great being with you and your listeners. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.